Psalm chapter 91. I'm aware of the time, but I don't know if I'm going to worry about it or not. We'll see how it goes, okay? I'll watch you. If you're getting like, this is taking too long, just start shifting around and look back at the clock and huff and stuff like that, and I'll know that you're not listening anymore, so I'll wrap it up. A big problem we have here is that uh, even other visiting preachers have told me, like, I'm really sorry about the time, brother. I didn't realize. And they blame it on you. And an experienced preacher will, because an experienced preacher watches the people he's preaching to. I know you think it's a monologue, but it's not. It's a communication, especially when the Holy Spirit's in it. And the way you guys drink up preaching and pay attention and listen and all the rest of that stuff, it just feels like, did I really preach that long? And it's your fault. Because you sit there and you pay attention and you respond and you cheer me on and all the rest of that stuff and you don't know how much I appreciate that. Uh, What a blessing that is to my soul. And I'm sure it's got to be a blessing to God. Uh, Because think about it from his perspective, we weren't here for even like two seconds. (laughs) He's in eternity, right? A thousand years as a day. So it's not too much to give a little bit of time to God. I was listening to some preacher this week and he's not even really 100% our stripe, but he's very much into expository Bible preaching. And what he was saying is that uh, it's a joke that preachers are so paranoid about their time frames and that these people nowadays want a 20 to 30 minute message when the same people will spend, when he added up the time, tailgating, party, commercials, all the rest of that stuff, uh, uh, mid-game, whatever it's called, obviously you can see I'm not into it. They'll spend six hours of their day. But then they come to church and they expect, you know, 45 minutes of singing and the preacher opens the Bible and you hurry up and shut up because we need to leave. What's that tell you about where we're at and what do you think God thinks of that? Psalm 91, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings thou shalt trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked." Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. And I will be with him in trouble and I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Kelly, you still back there. Would you please ask the Lord to bless the preaching?
Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I think we're at my favorite chapter in all the in all the Bible, really, in all the Psalms for sure. And I say I think because it seems like the more I read my Bible, the more certain stuff just jumps out at me. But this passage has meant a lot to my heart for years now. I remember back when I was at the Big Box Bible College, I was 22 maybe, I think 22. And I just got right with the Lord and I went off to Bible College because I knew from the time I was 15 God wanted me to be a preacher, but I, I didn't want anything to do with it. And I fought God on it for a long time. When I got right with God, I went off to Bible College, the place that my dad recommended that I go, and so I went there. And when I got there, I, I, had, a, I had what most young guys have when they're first called to preach. I'd been saved since I was a little boy, one month before my sixth birthday, I believe it was, when I got saved, no doubt about it. But I was like, it was all new and fresh to me. I mean, just the realization that God really had saved me and God had forgiven me and that when I got right with Jesus Christ, that Almighty God would have me and love me anyways and take me back after all my rebellion and all my pushing back against God and His will. And really just a fire for God had really begun to burn in my heart. It was just a personal thing between me and God. It's hard to even explain. And I got there, I was reading through my Bible, and I came to Psalm number 91, and that psalm jumped out at me so strong that I memorized this entire psalm. I remember getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning because I saw that he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And man, I was like, whatever that means, God, that's what I want. I want to constantly be so close to you that your shadow is over me and over my life, every moment of my life. I want to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. That did not mean everybody knows about it. What that meant is I have something between me and God that is so real and so alive and so, so, so strong and so genuine that no matter what happens in my life, I still have Him. I want to dwell in that secret place between me and God. And man, nothing is more difficult than finding a secret place to get to to develop the secret place than being in a dorm with a bunch of other guys. It's terrible. At that time, I was staying in what they called the lodge, and so it was like it was sort of like um, I don't know, you fellows that preach in the jail, you ever see like a pod? You know, it's like a communal area, and then instead of having cells, which they sort of were, but but it was a joke. Our cells had like about six or eight guys in them, and there was like three, or three to four bunk beds in there. And there was one particular guy that I was kind of friends with. Uh, I said kind of friends, you know. He was from North Carolina, and he was in my pod. I mean, in my cell, I mean, my room. We were together in that thing, right? And that guy was about maybe 115 to 120 pounds soaking wet. I mean, like he was a tiny little guy. And I'm not making fun of him. I, 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 don't, I hate it when people do that. But he, he had like, he had like, he was a little guy and he had really, he had a really big mouth, right? And, and he would lay there and he would sleep. He had a sleeping disorder. So he'd sleep with his mouth wide open. And his sleeping disorder was a legitimate sleeping disorder. It was so bad that he had to be careful about driving because he could literally like, boom, like be gone, right? So he would like pass out at a certain time every day. And I remember we had a lot of fun, you know. I, I don't know who instigated it, but somebody did, you know. And it was like we could, like, pick him up while he's sleeping and take him off of his bed and move him underneath the stairwell and put him there and just wait for him to wake up. And he wouldn't even, like, he'd be like, what in the world? We would, I would shake him, like, bounce the bed like that, and his head would be going like that on the mat. And he would not stop snoring. And everybody else is laughing, you know. 
He knew nothing was going on. He woke up with a headache and didn't know why. You know what I mean? It was really hard to find somewhere to go where it wasn't like... So I'd get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. And I would go down to the end of the hallway and get underneath the stairwell. And I remember back then I had a stack of Bibles this high, different versions of the Bible. Because I mentioned I was a rebel, right? A maverick. And I figured, well, if they were always saying the King James Bible is the Word of God, how do I know I'm not just programmed to think that? I want to know what the truth is. I'm sitting in Greek class saying, God, I want the truth. No matter what the truth is between me and you, I want the truth, God. It's not about anybody's opinion. It's not about how I was raised. It's not about any of that stuff. God, it's about me and you. I want the truth. I'd take those Bibles and I'd pray over them and I'd say, if one of these is it, show me. I had my Greek New Testament sitting there and I'd say, if that's it, show me. And what happened, it's just a long story that I'm not going to spend the time on this morning, but what happened is that as a, young, a younger guy, adult, but a younger guy, something got on me from reading Psalm 91 that I have not been able to shake loose to this day. It's that there's got to be more to my life and more to the Christian life than just this ritual thing, this list of rules, and this, i got to read my Bible, and i got to pray, and i got to be in church, and i got to give, and I can't do this, and i got to do that. There's got to be more to it than that. In this passage, he's given a promises from God. I mean, did you read the promises with me? Isn't that amazing stuff? I mean, don't you want, like, the noise and pestilence not to bother you and be delivered from the snare of the fowler and, and a thousand falling at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it never happens to me? Right? That's a very shallow view of that passage. I'm going to show you today that really you can't be guaranteed things aren't going to happen to you. But what's more important than anything else in the world is that you learn to develop a secret place between you and God. We're talking about a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking about something between you and him that's so real that no matter what's going on in the world around you, you can always run to that place. And when you get to that place, man, he is there and he's with you and he's helping you and he's guiding you. People will break your heart. Sorry. But Jesus Christ will never let you down. I want to see some things this morning as quickly as we can about this secret place that you and I need. First of all, look at verse number 2. The secret place is a place of power. He said, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. You know what you and I need in the day and age that we live in? You need a place to run to that's a safe place to get. You need to know that no matter what's going on around you, when you're under attack, that you can run somewhere to get some help. Listen to me, church. I'm telling you this morning, you're under attack more today than you've ever been, I think, in a very long time, at least in this country. The devil is on the prowl. And it's strong. I think it's because we're coming close to the coming of Jesus Christ. And you know and we've taught you over and over again. The closer you get to the coming of Jesus Christ, the more they're all going to fall away. And the temptation and pressure is on you people that believe the King James Bible, that love Jesus Christ, that are saved. The pressure is on you to get you to fall. The pressure is on these young people like never before. Could you imagine, some of you in your 40s, 50s, and 60s, could you imagine if you were a teenager right now and your parents handed you a device that you could tune into anything you wanted to in the secret place of your bedroom and mom and dad don't even know? Could you imagine if you had a passcode your parents don't know about? 
Hello, it got real quiet, Mom and Dad. That just might be conviction. I, I don't know. Could you imagine what these kids are up against nowadays? The brainwashing that they're getting? you got an adversary of the devil that is out there trying to destroy your family, destroy your walk with Jesus Christ, and destroy your life, and he's as real as the nose on my face. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. He says, Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. Boy, what I want, I want to be delivered from the snares of the devil. 1 Timothy chapter 3. What I'm not going to give you this morning is I'm not going to give you the prosperity gospel. You can go a hundred other places and get that garbage. That stuff's the biggest bunch of garbage. Some guy's up there lying to you, living in some rich house and trying to get you to give more money by telling you all about the prosperity gospel. What he's doing is he's living the life of the rich and famous and saying, if you please God and if you do right and if you walk with the Lord and if you have the personal relationship with God that I have, then you'll be rich and blessed like me. So therefore, give to me. So God will bless you. That's not what I'm going to give you this morning. I know people that are more spiritual than me that go, seem to go through hell on this earth. That's that, 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 that suffer the loss of children. That wind up getting cancer and dying. So don't give me this garbage. My God would never do that to me. What planet are you on? Don't you know that your forefathers got butchered and killed for preaching the name of Jesus Christ? Don't you realize that you are not promised that nothing bad is going to happen to you in this lifetime? Even though we just read the promises God gave, and I'm going to circle back to that in a minute. But you better understand, that doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to have hard times in serving the Lord. Amen. Talking just before church, and I won't call him out because I don't want to embarrass him, but brother just got saved a couple months ago said, man, it seems like ever since we got saved, you're right, it's just been tough. I said, well, the one thing I know about you is you ain't going to tap out. Well, what you got's real, folks. And that's why you get the pressure you get. 1 Timothy chapter 3, look at verse 7. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into a reproach. And the, see the word? You know what he said? The secret place of the Most High is a refuge you can run to to keep you from the snare of the fowler. A fowler is somebody who traps birds. And you got an enemy out there trying to trap you. How do you keep from getting trapped by the devil? Listen, here's the scary thing. I don't think most saved people stop and look at their life and say, I know what I want to do. I'm going to try to throw it away. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a good marriage and I'm just going to try to wreck it. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to actually have some kids, bring them into the world, get them started in church, and then do everything I can to wreck them. I don't think anybody actually in their right mind sets out to ruin their life. I don't think anybody in their... No, no, I mean, not you. You're here this morning. You could have been somewhere else. I mean, one of the last few halfway warm days we're going to have, you know, it's like already some of the leaves looked like they were turning... You're here this morning because you have a desire for God, right? You have a desire for truth, right? You did not come to this church of all places because you're just one of those quasi-Christians that could care less about preaching. Nobody sets out to say, I want to ruin my life. But you know how many of us as we get in our 40s and 50s and 60s, can I get an amen once you know what I'm saying? Look back and say, wow, did I ever mess that up? Well, I don't want that, do you? 
that's why before I made huge decisions about all that we've been doing and all the money we've already spent and all the money we have to spend, I got on the phone with somebody that can see some stuff I can't see. It says, that's a trap. Somebody with more wisdom than me. Somebody that's been through it before. Why? Because I don't want that snare. I don't want to wreck everything God's doing. I don't want to mess up. And I'm telling you, the devil is so tricky. He knows how to set you up. If you haven't noticed. You ever seen when you had a really bad day that started out okay and went all wrong? And you look back at the day and you're like, how did this thing even start? And where are we at now? You got caught. The secret place of the Most High keeps you from the snare of the fowler. It doesn't keep you from bad news from the doctor. It keeps you from the snare of the devil. There's another passage. Go over to 2 Timothy if you would. I want you to see that one. We're talking about the snares that come up in life and the refuge that you have, a place of power you can get to. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Look at verse 26. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26. Well, back up for a second. Look at verse 24. But the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those, watch it, that oppose themselves. You ever see Christians, you're like, what, what are you doing to yourself? Do you hear yourself? Like... Really? Okay. It's real easy for a pastor to get that way. Honestly, as a pastor, and it's not because of you, you're a great church, but I'm telling you, people are people. And it's real easy for a pastor to get to a point like, okay, whatever. You know what you and I do? We oppose ourselves. Don't you want to do right? Don't you want God's blessing on your life? Aren't you the one that always gets in the way of that? Hello, welcome to the club. We all do. You know what you're here for this morning? You're here to find a secret place between you and God, even though you're sitting in public. In other words, when you come to church, you ought to come here saying, God, would you give me this morning what I need, please, because I need something from you. Why? Because I'm my worst enemy. It's not the Christians that have hurt me, and I've been hurt by them. It's not other people that have done me wrong, and they have. I'm my biggest enemy. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that, we may re- that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Did you see that snare? You know what the devil will do with you? He'll take you captive at his will. <laughs> you think about that for a minute. At his will. Man, when I was training jujitsu, there were guys in there, a couple of them that were so good. My coach would do this. He'd say, All right, you ready? Get me and you. Mike, you're up. Like, oh, here we go. You're hoping he calls you after he's already been worn out by a bunch of really good guys, but like he never wears out and the rest of us always were. And he'd be like, All right, I'm gonna take your back and choke you out. Okay, now I know what he's gonna do. And then you know what he'd do? You can fight him all you want. When he said, I'm gonna take your back and choke you out. Guess what's happening? He's taking your back and choking you. Just tap now. Just like, okay, we're good. <laughs> All right, I'm going to arm bar you. No, you ain't, man. Let's go. And you say that to bluff, but you don't say it too much, too loud, or too long, right? <laughs> and then do it. 
I mean, talking about somebody that just knows what they're doing and is really good at what they do and very powerful in that world, that's nothing compared to your adversary, the devil. He's been watching people for 6,000 years. He knew how to get at the first perfect person that was walking with God in the cool of the day and had everything going for him and he knew how to get at him. You're talking about somebody so wise and so subtle and so tricky that you won't see it coming. What's the answer, preacher? What you're doing right now this morning is the answer. You know why? Because he says what you're supposed to do, preacher, when you get them in church, these are your specific instructions from God. Give them the truth and help them that oppose themselves. If peradventure, look at the personal responsibility, verse 26, that they may recover themselves. (laughs) Well, I just don't get anything out of it when I go to church. Well, if we're preaching the Bible, excuse me, if we're preaching the Bible, that's your fault. Yeah. Just Isn't that what the thing said? Yes. I just give you the truth. That's my job. That's my responsibility. It is up to you to take or reject what God gives you and do something with it. Because every one of us somewhere along the line winds up in a snare of the devil. And he uses your weakness as a human being and your frailty and your temptations and your sins and your failures that we all have to catch you up and keep you from the Lord. You know what the answer to staying safe from all that is? It's a secret place. You know what we're here trying to do this morning? I'm trying to help you with your secret place. God's trying to deal with some secret things between you and God. You and I need it. Back to the book of uh, Psalms, chapter 91. A secret place is a place of power. Look at the next thing in verse number 4. It's a place of power. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. It's a safe place to run, to get away when there's problems coming. Notice the next thing. It's a place of power. It's a place of preservation. Look at verse number 11. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. You know what we need? We need a place of preservation. You ever been tempted to quit? You know you're not strong enough to keep yourself serving God. Folks, I'm in it, man. I'm in it up to my eyeballs. I'm just like, I'm more excited about serving God now than I ever have been in my life. I'm more excited about the ministry now than I ever have been in my life. And it's not in the same way that it used to be when I was younger. I'm excited about it. I feel like right now, boy, it's just, just watching God do things. It's just amazing to me. It's coming from so many different angles that nobody can take credit for. It's like wild what God's doing for us. Seeing people saved and seeing people come. and I mean, just, just, a, just an amazing thing what God's doing and the way people are responding to the Lord. Yeah. Shocks me. I mean, it, it's literally shocking me. I'm at a point right now where I'm like, man, I thank God I didn't quit and I'm never going to quit on God. I want to do this till I die. I'd rather die than quit on God. But one thing I know, the time's come. When if you don't have God preserving you, you will not make it. There's not a person that's going to walk into the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. I'm not a queer. I just fought through it all. Oh, look at, do you know all he's been through and he's still serving God? Not a person. Not somebody that actually made it. 
They're going to walk into that throne room and say, you, you sustained me. I don't know how I made it. I don't know how I got here. I don't deserve anything that you've done for me. Anything good that came out of my life had nothing to do with me and every mess up was my fault. You know how you get preserved to God? You've got to develop a secret place. You've got to learn to run somewhere when that snare is coming and when that temptation is on you and when the pressures build up and when you really want to quit. And you need to be able to get in that secret place between you and God and have God show up and start ministering to you in a way that you know that is God and He is here. We were preaching to the kids at camp a lot, hearing from God. And you know, it's funny because as my life has gone on, my wife and I were talking about this recently, I have learned how God talks to me. Now, wait a minute. I'm not talking about hearing voices. I'm not being charismatic about the thing. Do you know God wants to develop a personal relationship with every single one of you? Yes, He sent His Son to die on the cross for you. He cares about you. He gave you that book, and He's given you a preacher to help you understand that that book is understandable for you. And you can go home tomorrow and get in your secret place and open up that book and God will speak to you about whatever you need help with. Very personal God. You know what I've figured out with time? I have figured out the way God speaks to me. It, It goes a little bit beyond just, you know, chapter and verse or a little bit beyond doctrinal. It's not to put the doctrinal away. I'm not going outside of my doctrine. I'm not saying that I hear audible voices from God and angels appear to me and any of that garbage because they don't. But there are ways that God talks to me and I've learned that over the years because when I've ignored that, I did wrong. And every time I've honestly wanted a solid answer from God and got serious and begged him to show me something, he has always shown me when I really wanted to know. I've learned how to figure out when God's talking to me. That's a huge thing. That's something that I want more of as time goes on. That's something that I need moment to moment. Even as a pastor, sometimes people come for counseling and the Lord's like, "Mm -mm. I don't know, man. What do you think? God says, don't talk. (laughs) I don't know, man. I'll pray for you. There's other times that they come and you got this like, I don't know, this like formatted, formulistic answer. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Like the right thing to say? Yeah. And the Lord says, stop for a minute. I'll give you one. Here's a good example. Just to help you if you criticize each other. Well, my kid would never do that. I know what they need to do. You need to take that kid out behind the woodshed. Do you know I still believe in that? Amen. Way to go, Grandma. He's a little too big now. David walked in and we were like, Hi, he's taller than me now. Good to see you, man. I'm glad you're here. But honestly, I still believe in old-fashioned whooping, don't you? Yes. Hey, you know in a church like this when people are getting saved? It's real easy for you to say, well, they just need to whoop that kid. Hey, genius, did you ever stop and think about the fact that that might be a split home? And that mama or evil grandmama on the other side, some evil grandma, is waiting to say he's abusing the kid. Things aren't always that simple, genius. I need God's help, man, to pastor in this day and age. Do you know it ain't easy? You need to learn to hear from God. I need it for my own life. 
the day-to-day grind of my own life. I need, to, I need to hear from God. I need to have that secret place. Hey, so God can help me get through. So God can preserve me. So God can get me to make it. Because without His help, I won't make it. I'm an old lady at Dayton, 101 years old. 101. Still walking, still talking, can still see out of one eye. Has macular degeneration in the other said, I'm getting the copies of that because I go back and listen because I can't hear half of what you're saying. (laughs) She sat right up where Brother Brad's at. She said this. She said, her mind is as sharp as a tack. She said, I pray for you every day. I've been praying for you since you came last year. And then she said, you have a boy and a girl, right? And you live in Pensacola, Florida. I said, no, that's Pilkington you're praying for. How about me? She said, oh, oh, you're the one in Detroit with the four girls. I said, yes, that's me. So she was praying for me too, thank God. (laughs) You know how valuable it is to have an old woman that's 101? Her mama lived 104. Keep praying, lady. That's great. You got three more years. (laughs) You know how valuable that is to have somebody that's a secret place? What are you going to do when you're 101? You ain't going to be 101. Forget about it. (laughs) If you are. What can you do other than get in your secret place? Do you know what a great God that is? He's the one that preserves you. You know how you got up this morning? Because I run and I'm in shape and I eat healthy. I asked her, I said, so what's your secret? Do you eat healthy? She said, not really. (laughs) And she said, I tell my son all the time, I shouldn't eat that. It's not good for me. He says, mom, go ahead and just enjoy it. I'm like, at 101, have at it, man. Be eating ice cream and cake every single day of my life. Amen. <laughs> she isn't her that's preserved herself. It ain't you that gave yourself breath today. It's God. So, folks, really, come on, think about it for a minute. What really matters in your life? I mean, how is your personal walk with Jesus Christ? Stinking, I'm not harping on you, but you stinking Americans. Okay, that was terrible. I'm harping on you, I guess. <laughs> You think it's all about making money. You think it's all about the economy. You think it's all about your personal health. You think it's all about everything other than what it's actually about. What about your relationship with Jesus Christ? Where is that at? Hey, everything in life, excuse me for this for a minute. I'm sorry to be such a pessimist lately. Everything in life is a little disappointing. You can't wait to get the next thing. And when you get it, you're like, wow. I mean, like, being a homeowner is not all it was cracked up to be. <laughs> I've been a new homeowner in my second house that I'm in right now. It's the second house we've ever owned. I was a new homeowner in that house for just a couple of months. It wasn't even that long. You heard the story, right? For you new folks, there's a weird smell in my finished basement. I run outside, pull the lid off my septic tank, and it's about to overflow on the riser into the lawn. Yay. Brand new septic field. I call the septic guy. I'm like, bro, what is going on? It's a brand new 20-something thousand dollar septic field they had to install before we moved in, just so you know, because it failed the inspection. Praise Jesus. I said, you never have to worry about it in your life. And there it is. And I'm like, <gasps> and my wife's like, He's like, hey, man, I've never seen this happen before. How many girls you got in that house? I said, four plus my wife. He said, do they have long hair? I said, yep. He said, we install filters on the new septic tanks so the hair doesn't go out to the field. He said, and I've never seen one clog this quick. Every three months, you're supposed to be cleaning that filter. 
And he said, and unfortunately, you got a finished basement in there? I said, yes, sir. He said, unfortunately, you can't wait for me to get there. The pipe coming out of the wall had like a size of a small dinner plate. It was just kind of dropping, just like that. It didn't fail, thank God. He said, you got to pull that filter. He's talking about being a happy homeowner. Life in this wonderful world you're living in. I said, huh? He said, you can't wait. You've got to pull it now. If you notice, I'm not that tall. I'm sorry, honey. She don't like it when I crack on myself. It's just a fact. I had to reach down. I had to turn my face away like this, and I'm down up to here, feeling around. Until I found the filter and whoosh. Three showers, multiple scrubs, and it just, it still smelled. What do I do for you girls, man? You think you know something about raising kids? You think you know something about girls, don't you? You don't know nothing. <laughs> Folks, everything in life is like that. Everything. What, what, as soon as you get old enough to start enjoying it and you get your finances together, you're too sick to actually enjoy it. You're too cranky to want to go anywhere or do anything because you're out of your little schedule, you know. Like, where's my coffee pot? When we went to camp, I stuck my Keurig in there and I stuck all my K-cups and, like, I got the right coffee mug. Don't tell anybody. We back up to our little cabin at camp. Don't tell nobody. I'm sneaking my Keurig. I can't go without my coffee in the morning. It's just life. It's just reality. You know what's the most important thing you could ever figure out? How to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and dwell in that secret place because it is Him that preserves you. Except the Lord build the house. Hear me. Except the Lord build the house. Did you hear it, Mom? Mama Bear? Except the Lord build the house. Did you hear that, Dad? I'm walking with God and I'm leading my family right and I believe the Bible. Hey, shut up a minute. Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain to build it. Well, you don't know how bad I messed it up. Hey, except the Lord build the house. But I messed it up. Why don't you give it to God now? Because it's God that builds it. Maybe God lets you mess it up in the early days. Maybe God lets you make some mistakes in the early days just so he could step in and you wouldn't take his glory for what he did. I hope my kids turn out for Jesus Christ. That's the most I don't care if they marry somebody who's some rich guy or not or people like him or don't like him. I told them, I'm not going to tell you who to marry. I'm going to tell you who not to marry. Then you do what you want with what I tell you, but I don't have to kiss the guy. I could kiss. It's okay, you can laugh at that. I don't got to kiss him, you do. You know what matters to me? Does he love Jesus Christ? Does he believe the King James Bible is the Word of God and have his faith in that book? No, not because that's a hang-up of mine, because that's the Word of God! This thing's way more important than whether or not they've got money or all the rest of that stupid stuff, how smart they are, how talented they are. So what if they use it for the devil? I want my kids, I want these kids that are up here singing. It just breaks my heart to think that some of these kids eventually are going to walk out these doors and not come back. According to the percentages, according to the statistics, most of them are going to walk out not if the statistics are right. I'm praying. I'm seeking God. I'm, I'm trying to be in a secret place for you, not just for me. Hey, that we break the statistics. They need something that's personal between them and God that'll stick it out when they're on their own. 
some of you are waiting to cut out. Because you're crazy, that's why. I love you, but you're crazy if you're waiting to cut out. What do you think is out there? You need God. And that's no promise. Listen to me. That's no promise that you're going to live a charmed life. People get so stupid about it. I just thought if I was serving God, this wouldn't happen to me. What preachers are you listening to? A prosperity gospel, unbiblical. I mean, they just don't. They don't know a thimbleful of Bible. You're going to suffer in a sinful world, whether you're serving God or not. So you might as well suffer with Jesus Christ in the boat in a secret place to get to when you're in trouble. He said, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under that shadow, and he's going to keep you in all your ways in verse 4. Look down at verse 13. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder. The young lion and dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Anybody want to handle some snakes this morning? Well, that's what they tell you. And they use passages like this to show you. I told you in the early days that this thing meant a lot to me, right? Mm-hmm. This, this psalm. Years later, I don't remember how many years ago it was, do you? How old were you, Lily, when you got bit? Eight? So that was like, were you 15 now? Eight years ago? Eight, so that was multiple years after this chapter jumped out at me. We're sitting on the front porch in Beeville, Texas, preaching a meeting over there. She's out playing in the field. They had donkeys and all the rest of this stuff out there, and obviously they had rattlesnakes too. It was a February day, but it got really warm. And I guess some of the snakes woke up from the warmth, come out. And she's out there running through the field. I mean, they had acres. She was out in the back. We're sitting on the front porch talking to a lady from the church who was at the house for lunch or whatever, and having a nice little conversation, and she was an older woman. We're talking, and we've always taught our kids, you don't walk up and interrupt adults unless you want to learn a little something about the woodshed, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, not even once. You don't just walk up and, hey, you know, like, shut up, kid. Stand there and wait, right? Sure. So we're sitting there, and she comes running up. Mom and Dad are like, Lillian, we're talking. Okay, but I said, Lillian, like, And she said, and Grace said, Lily? And she said, okay, but I got bit by a snake. <laughs> we were like, huh? <laughs> and everybody was there was like, well, it had to have been this snake or that snake, because if it was a poisonous snake, she wouldn't have run all the way from the back and be up here and be fine. And we looked down at her leg, and there's two little holes. We brought her in and set her on the countertop. We we're confused, because she's like, we're like, yeah, I'm fine. She had a bruise. Well, yeah, I'm fine. Okay. So Brother Peacock is on the way to the airport. The preacher was taking him to the airport at the time. We shot a picture of it and sent it to him. And he said, get her to the hospital now. He's like, that is not a non-venomous snake. He called me. He's like, hey, man. I'm like, hey, we don't have poisonous snakes up by me. I mean, she's fine. Everybody's saying she's fine. He's like, get her there now. I said, okay. Threw her in the car and ran her to the hospital. It was a dry bite. 
You know what happened the second she said, okay, but I got bit by a snake, and Grace looked at it and said, honey, that's not a, non, that, that's not a non-venomous snake. And everybody was like, it had to be. She's like, I'm, that's, that's two, that's fangs. That's, that's not okay. And there was a big debate going on on whether she was all right or not. Grace is like, honey, that's not okay. And I'm like, she seems okay to me. You know, quit being emotional. What's your problem, woman? You know, okay, you're smarter than me, but she's fine. So whatever, you know. You're smarter, but I'm right, so we're good. <laughs> First thing that hit me when Grace said, "That's not okay." Young lion and dragon shalt thou trample under feet. That God, God spoke to me, not an audible voice. That verse that I had put in my memory. Eight years ago, I was 38, so 37. So I'd had that verse in my memory for how many years? 10, 10, 27, 14 years. He pulled it up in a moment of complete panic. And I was able to stay calm under the pressure and say, honey, she's going to be all right. And mama's shaking, sitting in the hospital shaking, waiting. They said, yeah, that's a venomous snake. And they estimated it was, what did they say, three and a half feet or something like that? That was their estimation about how big the bite was. Man, what a blessing. It doesn't mean you're not going to get bit. Charismatic preacher. It doesn't mean you're not going to get bit. It doesn't mean you come in and you grab snakes by the tail to show everybody how spiritual you are. Stupid. You know how many of those guys die? Or wind up bit? Well, if you really got the gift, then you're never going to get bit. See how they mess with your head? But just because we're not charismatic and we believe in rightly dividing the word of truth doesn't mean our God can't help us out if he feels like it. And when he feels like it. But you know what you don't do? You don't tempt the Lord thy God because you know Lucifer, when he went to tempt Jesus Christ, quoted Psalm 91 to him. And you know what Jesus said? No, I'm not doing that. You're not rightly dividing the word of truth. You're pulling the thing out of context and you forgot a little something in the verse there, Lucifer. You're misquoting the Bible. You got your own version. It means generally the same thing, Jesus. Yeah, I know, but if I listen to you, I'm going to fall. I'm going to commit my first sin. I'm not doing it. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. I'm talking about God preserving you. I mean, my kid would have been dead if it would have been up to us. Because she ran all the way from back there when we didn't know, which wouldn't be a good thing. And by the time we got busy talking about it and kicking it around, a snake of that size and the size she was at that age, it could have killed her. Anna had her hip surgery a few years ago, a pretty major surgery, a lot of the main veins there and all that stuff. And Grace had done what she always did and hours and hours and hours and hours of researching. And she remembers everything. She's going to get mad at me for this. I'll hear it on the way home because she doesn't like when I talk about her, but I love her, so I'm talking about her. And I'm proud of her. And so she knew what to expect, and she knew one of the possible things after a surgery like this is a blood clot. And she knew the symptoms of it and what to look for. She'd come walking downstairs, and Anna was sitting on the couch, white. And Grace said, honey! And I know that voice. I know that tone. Come running down there. She's like, she's having a blood clot. And I'm like, are you sure? You know, I'm going to be the man, the voice of reason. You know, I wouldn't be confident here. Got all these female emotions around me, and I've got to make sure I lead strong, like a solid secret place, you know, a fortress to run to when they're all upset. Yeah. You sure? Yeah, honey, I'm sure. I mean, maybe I'm just being emotional. I'm not a doctor, but I'm sure. Well, call the doctor. We've got to take her. 
Well, I got her to the hospital, and she was right. She had one. But it didn't kill her because God's the one that broke it up. Yeah, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm saying God can do what he wants. And I know two of my kids wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for God. My youngest, while she was pregnant with her, she got a major infection, went septic, had to pump her full of antibiotics. And they said one of the side effects is the baby will probably be born, almost lost her and Ava. And she pulled through, thank God for it. And oh, she's probably, she could be deaf. She failed her first hearing test. Grace is like, well, at least I know sign language and I'll teach you. Okay. If I'm smart enough to learn it. <laughs> Guess what? Second hearing test, she passed. Yeah, who did that? Our spirituality. You're nuts, man. You think, if you think it's because I'm so spiritual, you lost your mind. It's because God's good. But you know what? I know a lot of people that didn't get so good. I know a lot of good Christians that God had different decisions for them. I'm just trying to tell you that you can't control your life and you don't know what is or isn't coming. And you don't know how it's going to turn out. And even in serving God, you can't guarantee what the people you love are going to do. Heartbreak is coming. What's more important than you and the Lord in that secret place and being able to run to that shelter and get close to God and say, God, I need your help right now because I got nothing. Look at the last thing and we'll close for this morning. It's a precious place. See verse 14. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. It's a precious place. It's a place of love. See, nobody's pressuring you this morning to say you need to draw closer to Jesus Christ. It's your choice. Nobody's here to make you start learning to pray and make you get in your Bible and make you do right. I don't do right because I have to. You hear me? I do right because I want to. I'm not preaching this morning because I have to preach. I'm not that stupid. I can, I'm not as smart as some people, but I'm not that stupid. I can make money. I'm not here for a paycheck. I'm here because I love the Lord and he called me to do this. And man, it's a blast serving Jesus Christ. I just love him. I want to serve him. That's what I want my motive to be. That's what I want your motive to be. I want you to oh, we got to go to church because preacher's going to wonder where we were. You know, forget about that. How about you and God? Don't you love coming? Isn't it great to sing the songs? Isn't it good to be around some people that love Jesus? Isn't it great to give God an opportunity to speak to our hearts and do something in our lives? Isn't it awesome just to learn a little bit of our Bible and go, oh, that makes sense. I always saw that a different way, but now I get it. Hey, it's because we love him. It's a precious place. You ought to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. You ought to have a place between you and God. You ought to know him in your heart. You ought to get close to him as time goes on. Because it's a precious place to live your life. It's the only way to get through. And notice, it's a place of petition. See verse 15. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. And I will, watch it, be with him in trouble and I will deliver him and honor him with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation we don't have time this morning but if you go back and look back at that passage later and watch the English grammar and the way that passage is written you know what you're going to see in Psalm 91 you're reading a prophecy of Jesus Christ God promised all these things to his son he said, I'm going to deliver you and you're going to step on the, snare, on the, on the serpent 
It's going to bruise his heel, but you'll bruise his head. You got a prophecy of Jesus Christ here, and that's why Lucifer, when he tried to tempt your Savior and get him to fall, used this passage of Scripture to do it. And as you watch that exchange, that's God talking to his son. And so if you got Jesus, you got the promises. But wait, wait. Think about this for a second. God said, the noisome pestilence is going to blow by you and won't touch you. The young lion and dragon are going to tread on them. Wait. I'm going to deliver you in darkness. Uh, did you ever read your Bible and see what Jesus Christ went through? So you mean those promises don't apply necessarily to this life? With long life, will I satisfy him and show him my salvation? Are you going to tell me 33 and a half years is a long time? Passed that a while ago. You know what he's promising him? He's promising him something that's bigger than this puny little life you're living in now. And you know what it hinged on? His personal relationship with his heavenly father is what got Jesus Christ through. So you know what he's telling you in this passage? You need a secret place. You need to abide in that secret place. You need to get close to Jesus Christ and stay close to Jesus Christ. And if you do, he'll get you through the ups and the downs. It's like I said to you a couple of weeks ago. He's not necessarily interested in saving you from the fiery furnace or from the lion's den. He's interested in saving you in them. So if I got to go through trouble because I'm going through it in this life and every one of you are too because it's a sinful world. So if i got to go through trouble, I would rather go through it with the Lord than without Him. So how's your secret place this morning? Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I want to give you an opportunity like we always do to respond.